The Suffolk Journal podcast is the official podcast of the Suffolk Journal. If you're hearing this after Tuesday, November 3rd, things have definitely changed since this episode aired, but it still should be an insightful look into how polling was approached in 2020. With the 2020 election just days away, we wanted to explore one big question on everyone's mind in the run-up to the election. Can we trust the polls in 2020? I talked to David Paleologos of Suffolk Polling to find out why after 2016, voters should trust the polls in 2020. This is the Suffolk Journal Podcast. Hello, journal readers. I'm your host, James Bartlett. Today on this special edition of the Suffolk Journal Podcast, I'm talking to David Paleologos about 2020's general election polling and why after 2016's polls were so wrong, we should trust polls in 2020. We'll also discuss possible election outcomes on Tuesday. Enjoy. For reference, in February, I spoke to David about polling at Suffolk University for the Democratic primary, which is available on thesuffolkjournal.com. So a lot has happened since the last time we uh, we spoke, and um, I think it was February. Yeah, you know it's been it's been crazy. We had uh, Joe Biden; nobody expected to be the Democratic nominee. It was all about Sanders and Buttigieg and Elizabeth Warren and and others, and uh, even Kamala Harris. And you know Biden had three horrible starts to this process you know, in three, the three states preceding South Carolina. And then he just caught lightning in a bottle and he ran yep. up a huge lead thanks to African-American voters. And here we are. So my first question about um, the general election is uh, who's going to win? I'm joking. Joe- I'm joking. You don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> Today it's Joe Biden. You know, I mean, the polling looks really strong for him. Um uh, I look at the, the blue wall states, the blue wall states are really strong for him. So um, he has to, you know, if he wins all three blue wall states, there really isn't a place that Donald Trump can pick up right now that Hillary Clinton won that he can win this time around. And my reading of the three blue wall states is that Biden looks well positioned to protect those states, even in Pennsylvania, where some of the recent polling shows the race closer. So most polls in 2016 got the presidential race wrong. Why should we trust them in 2020? You should trust them because they got they got the national polling right. The national polling had the Hillary Clinton winning the popular vote by two plus percent. That's exactly what happened. And anybody that follows that accuracy, looking at today's polling that shows Biden winning the national polling by between six and seven, could only conclude that Biden's well positioned to do better nationally, nationally than Hillary Clinton. The question of the, the 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 question of the lack of accuracy really rests in 2016 in the states like the blue wall states that a lot of the top pollsters didn't poll, yeah. uh, including Suffolk. By the way, you know, I mean Maris, Quinnipiac, Suffolk. You know, none of us were in those blue wall states, and of course now we're, we're you know in addition to the polls. The states that we polled in 20, you know, uh, 2016, we're also polling those blue wall states as well. So there's a lot more polling information out there. Okay, so are pollers running um, because early voting and mail-in voting has been so huge in this election? Are polling are pollers running into a lot of voters who've already cast ballots in the race? 
Sure are. And that's really part of the, the part of the process. I mean, we want to be able to capture people who have already voted. The only risk really is for, for, for as a pollster is the people who refuse. You know, there are mm -hmm. people once they disclose that they have voted, um, they don't feel comfortable telling you who they voted for. Yep. So refusals go up a little bit. But you know, we're capturing, you know, in the poll that we're about to release, the national poll that we're about to release tomorrow and Friday, we've captured um, around 40% or so of people who've already voted. So, wow. you know, and that's about what the numbers are nationally, you know, nationally, about 40% of the expected turnout has already been cast. So does that help you interpret polling data by being able to say, we're more accurate because this is like, no, these voters aren't going to be able to change their minds. Yeah. I mean, yes, yes. That's part of it. And the other part of it is that, that the projections are going to be more accurate, I believe, because people won't be able to change their minds. So if there's this October surprise in a few days, or if Donald Trump were to have some major revelation that, potentially could move some voters, it would move some voters and potentially it could close the race and, and give them the win. But the probability is lower because so many people have already voted. So you've got a smaller pool who could be influenced by a news story or a late breaking development. And therefore, you know, I, I believe it positions the research to be even more accurate. So States like Texas and Georgia, which have historically gone red, are now starting to have a sort of purplish hue based off the polls. Do, do you see that as a trend that's going to continue in races going forward? Or do you think that that's just because of these two candidates and how divisive I, the climate is? Yeah, I think it's a, a little bit of both. I, I don't see, I mean, if Biden wins in a super landslide, I think he could win Texas. I wouldn't bet on it. I think Texas will go red. Um, and the reason is because most Republican uh, Democratic candidates for president do not poll, uh, do not secure more than 44, 45% of the Texas vote. So, you know, unless there's a viable third party candidate, it's going to be tough for those people who are going to be county watching and hovering their mouse over maps of counties and states. Mm -hmm. I would say that there's a county in Texas named Bell County, B-E-L-L. -L. It's one of our bellwethers. And uh, that's a county where when that county shows a wide, of course, Texas has gone Republican, as you say, in the last four elections. But when that county is showing a bigger lead for Republicans, the statewide vote is bigger. And when that county shows a smaller lead, the statewide vote is smaller. It's very much correlated. So keep an eye on that county. As far as Georgia goes, I think that's a better prospect for Biden. I'm surprised he didn't spend more time there. Um, there are two special Senate races uh, that are in play in Georgia. You know, and I also believe that that number has been trending down. As a matter of fact, Trump only got 51% of Georgia last time. So that is a state that could surprise come Tuesday where um, Biden edges um, Trump in Georgia. Uh, again, the polling shows a slight advantage, but it's a margin of error kind of thing. But between the two, I would say Georgia is the better prospect. So can you explain the phenomenon of, um, I think it's called riding the pole coaster. Do you know what that is? 
sure, I sure do. It's also called the Red Mirage. Um, so, you know, people who are fixated on the polls have to take a deep breath and understand that Real Clear Politics and Nate Silver's 538 averages are directly correlated with who releases polls and when. Mm -hmm. So, for example, in Pennsylvania, you've got now a wave of polls that are showing strength for Trump. And the reason is because the most recent polls, the, uh, the most recent polls are showing Trafalgar and Rasmussen and Subsequana and a bunch of different pollsters showing Trump strong. And what they do is they drop off the polls that are older. And what happens is the poll numbers jump around. They go, and there's this perceived momentum. So everybody's talking about, well, Democrats are talking about losing Pennsylvania again, which I don't believe is going to happen. We polled Pennsylvania. We had uh, we had uh, Trump losing by a little over six points. We look at decimal points. I think that's the right number. I mean, I think it's I think it's close. It, it may not be six, but it certainly could be. Um, and in terms of the red tide, you know, what people are calling the red tide, there's this theory that on Tuesday, Trump's going to declare victory because most of the um, election day voting will have been recorded and counted and not the mail-in voting, which is mm -hmm. disproportionately Democratic. Yep. And so what will happen is he will declare victory in these close states like Arizona, North Carolina, Florida, maybe even Georgia and Iowa. And then people will go to bed at night, many of whom are in the Midwest with pickup trucks and guns and dogs, thinking their person, Donald Trump, won the election. And then they're going to wake up in a day or two, realizing once the mail-in votes are counted, that in fact, Biden won some of those states. And they're going to think uh, uh, that the election was rigged and they were cheated out of Trump being the uh, duly elected president. That, 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 that's an issue that's going to potentially happen if this race closes. If Biden wins in a landslide, it's less probable. So do you see us getting the results on election night? You'll get some results. I don't think you'll get the full picture. Um, well, do you, again, do you think AP will call the race? I don't know. It, it, it depends. Uh, I, I think, um, you know, at this point, again, <laughs> going out on a limb, but taking a motion out of it and looking at the numbers, I think Biden is going to win. And that's predicated on how strong he's going to be in the blue wall states. Mm -hmm. And if he wins the three of them, it's going to be virtually impossible or highly improbable that Trump wins a second term. Uh, whether AP sees it that way, uh, I'm not, I'm not sure. Um, but uh, ultimately they have to be especially careful given that so many people have voted by mail-in and, and to be assured, they're not going to call a precinct, even if it's 95% in uh, and one candidate's ahead five, 10 per, by five or 10 points until all the votes are counted this time around. Um, my, my guess is if the, the, the national polls seem to be closing a bit, so I don't think, and I don't think people are even prepared that it will be called that uh uh, Tuesday night, but mm -hmm. I think following the bellwether areas and some of the areas that we're looking at, we're going to have a pretty good picture because if Trump does not prevail in, you know, any or one of the of the uh, bellwether, the uh, blue wall states, 
I can't see another state out there that he's going to pick off that uh, Hillary Clinton won, including New Hampshire, uh, including Nevada or Minnesota. Right now, it doesn't look that viable. So do you see trust in polls being restored if um, most of the pollsters get it right this time around? No, I think it's going to take a sequence of elections and I don't know if I'll be around for the next <laughs> two or three elections uh, to see that through. Um, I think we've, those of us who have lived through the most recent uh, state debacle really wasn't a state debacle. I mean, the national, like I say, the national polls were right. Um, it was just that we didn't have enough top rated public pollsters polling the states that needed to be polled. And so the people who amplified the problem were the aggregators who had to make their predictions based on the work we did. People like Charlie Cook and Larry Sabato and Nate Silver were, were desperate for good polling information in those states. They didn't get it because we weren't polling the states really that we should have polled. We think we're, we've solved that problem this time around and, you know, and, and made up for some of the other research glitches that may have happened in 2016. But there might be a new problem that we don't even see. You know, Donald Trump could be doing better among African-American men, you know, which is a very uh, strength he could have fl flying, you know, uh, below the radar mm -hmm. that we haven't picked up. Or he may have a super, super strong support in rural areas beyond what we knew in 2016. And we'll have to adjust for that. I mean, pollsters always adjust for the mistakes of the past four years and try to get it right. Um, but ultimately, if people think that pollsters are deliberately um, polling in a particular direction, I think that's unfair to all of us because we're all we're, we're all competing to be right. We're all competing against each other to be right. So it really doesn't serve anybody not to do that. And yep. and. Uh, you know, Suffolk has been pretty good. We've we've got a pretty good reputation at it. No one's perfect, but that's kind of what our objective is. Okay, thank you, David. All right. Thank you again to David Paleologos and Meredith Power Air. The Suffolk Journal Podcast is produced and edited by me. Please subscribe to Suffolk Journal Podcast. We are currently available on Anchor, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Please share with your friends and family and check out the amazing work done by our staff at thesuffolkjournal.com. Also, please go out and vote. Thank you.